Hey, Chi-Chi, tell me a racial slur. That may be beyond my abilities at the moment. Hey, Chi-Chi, play Piss Play Podcast. Now playing Piss Play Podcast. Hey, Chi-Chi, play me an ear movie about faith. Now playing Hereafter Man. PJ Glasser here. Yeah. Do a transfer with the company. Head of the game. It's the post-midnight hour when thoughts drift to the dark recesses and the dial stops on extra mundane. AM radio's premier paranormal phenomenon's program. I'm Bob Hurd, and tonight, finishing our series on near-death experiences with an account that, to my mind, is more vivid, more dramatic than anything I've heard in my 20-plus years of probing the unexplained. Now, I have on the line here, from an undisclosed location east of the Rockies, Overland Casey, dead 89 minutes, total body disruption. Overland Casey, who claims to have passed over to the other side and come back to tell the story. And boy, howdy, what a story amidst uh, uh, Overland. How are you? That's a great question. Let me think about that. You know, I'm at home right now. I'm, I'm calling in on a landline. I don't use mobile devices anymore. We don't have to get into that. There's a nice soft rain falling outside, and I'm feeling very rich and incandescent right now. Well, I'm not quite on that level just yet, but I do have a fresh cup of Nespresso here, so maybe I can catch up. Now, your experience. My experience. My, and thank you for having me. My 
experience, man. You say you're compelled to share your testimony. I think it would be a detriment to the human project if I didn't. I mean, the things I not just saw, but it, it's, it's just, it's, it's so... Words can't explain. No, they can, and I'm going to use them here to the best of my ability. Maybe a little backstory. What was life like for Oberlin Casey leading up to the event? I was young. I was attractive. I was moderately successful. I'd carved out a niche as a lower-level media journalist. Not unlike yourself there, Bob. Ah, fellow leg man. Where would we know you from? Leg person? It, it doesn't matter. What? Where would we know you from? TV? Radio? Urinals. I was a presenter for a channel that streamed exclusively on tiny screens mounted above sports bar lavatories in certain Midwestern markets. Nothing to sneeze at. You've got to start somewhere. You've got a promising career. Youth. Looks. Then you die. Walk us through what happened with that. Well... Earlier, I mentioned total body disruption. Total body disruption. Total body disruption. Are you familiar with it? Total body... Total body disruption. Explain what this is for the listeners, if you would. I was fucking dashed to pieces, Bob. Lord God. How did this occur? On the evening in question, I'm driving home from work. I'm on the highway, I'm in my Ford Flex, moving at a good clip. Then all of a sudden, a horrendous traffic jam up ahead. Everything grinds to a complete halt. I'm two exits away from my street, it's been a long day. So this is all triggering some fairly negative feelings. Goddamn Christ, the fucking morons I have to contend with in this fucking city. Retards! Absolute fuck. Somebody better be dead up there. I hear the sound of police sirens coming up fast from behind, followed by an ambulance. I see smoke billowing into the air up ahead. Then here comes the fire truck, and I'm thinking, geez, maybe somebody is dead. Finally, I creep up alongside the scene of the accident. I slow down to get a look at the twisted piece of modern art on the side of the highway, and I say to myself, that's a 2015 cobalt blue Ford Flex just like mine. I think that's kind of strange. I notice a detached bumper with a coexist decal, a Deathly Hallows symbol, and a Bernie campaign sticker on it. And now I'm alarmed, because these are the exact same bumper stickers on my 2015 Cobalt Blue Ford Flex. Then I look even closer to see a flaming license plate on the pavement, just like from Back to the Future. I'm not familiar with it. You're not familiar with Back to the Future? I was born in 1998. Cut me some slack. The numbers on that license plate were my license plate numbers. In that moment, Bob, I wish I could tell you my heart was pounding. But in that moment, I didn't have a heart. 
I didn't have a body. I look down, I cannot see my own hands. I can't even see the bridge of my nose. The steering wheel is gone. Dashboard, windshield, everything's gone. The theoretical Ford Flex your traumatized brain had visualized is gone. I'm floating there, invisible and helpless. That's when it all came rushing back to me. I was in an accident. I don't want to use this platform for unbosoming. No, no, confess away. If you could accuse me of one sin, it would have been the sin of excessive speed. I like to go. Maybe a mind demented by fast-paced video games, rampant caffeine abuse, the general impatience of modern life resulted in driving habits such as mine, but I saw the road as a chessboard and the rival pieces as annoying obstructions. I never saw other moving automobiles as vessels which contained human lives. Aggressive driver, a common moral failing. I remember now, weaving in and out of traffic that night, driving on three donuts, tailgating a motorcycle, making an online purchase with my phone, looking up to see the motorcycle braking, swerving to avoid, losing control and slamming into the Jersey barrier at 95 miles per hour. That is an impact. Waves of panic, blackness all around, and I knew fear. Then it was like all linear time collapsed. Am I dead? Am I? Am I dead? Am I dead? dead? Am I dead? Wait. Dead? 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 I'm dead? Am I dead? Dead? Where am I? What's happening? I think I'm dead. You're fucking dead, dude. You are nowhere. Time is You don't exist. I felt my consciousness explode into a million pieces and radiate outwards to the far reaches of the universe, experiencing heat death, ego death, heat death, ego death, heat death, ego death, heat death, ego death. For what felt like millennia. But gradually, my mind reformed, and I'm back at the scene of my accident, hovering now from above. I see the flashing police lights, to which my natural response is, Fucking cops, fuck you. 
It was then that I knew that whatever I was now, something of my authentic self still existed. I scanned the wreckage ahead to find what I can only assume is what's left of my corporeal self. Which wasn't much, you see. Because, you see, an impact that violent can only result in total body disruption. A feeling of ultimate remorse for my reckless actions. I think of my loved ones. My family, whom I had severed all contact with because of political differences. My little fur minion, Aqua. My poly stable of gender creative sex collaborators. Lorelei. Keegan. Briar. Nat. And Gymnipity. My dearest Gymnipity, whom held my favor above all the others. I'm overcome with such immense sadness knowing I will never see them again in this life. I'm rising higher and higher now. I sense a soft, growing warmth behind me, a shimmering from above. I slowly rotate my perspective to face upwards as I continue to levitate. My vision fixes on a brilliant and inviting light, drawing me from somewhere beyond. And then I'm on a boat. And then I'm on a boat. I'm on an old wooden boat being piloted by a cloaked ferryman, crossing a river dappled with gorgeous moonlight. I'm standing alongside a very small and well-mannered person of Latinx origin, I think his name was Mauro? And we're fishing. You know, with fishing poles, having just the best time. I got one! I got one! Really, it ain't, man. Don't let him get away. Wow, it's fighting me good! I haven't gone fishing since I was a little boy with my papa. Ah, he got off. It's okay, man. You catch next one. It will be bigger. Wait, what's your name again? Gutierrez. Mauro Gutierrez. Mauro Gutierrez. And you died too. Yes, I died. I don't really feel bad about it now. It's unusual, right? Are you sad? Something about this comforting light up ahead seems to be lifting all my earthly woes. No, feel fine. I die so sudden. It hurt real bad. If you go now, no sad. The light is so nice. The more I gaze at it, the more my concerns seem to just fall away. Damn. At first, I didn't want to leave. Too much unfinished business. Hey, did you have a good life? I was still young and hot. I live a pretty good life, I think. Try to do a lot for others. I give to Niri. Take care of a hurt animal. I help me mama. She in a wheelchair. Selflessness is key. 
I died rescuing a, a house full of children. A big earthquake. A lot of people die. How's it came in? I pulled them out. That's very noble, Mauro. You died a hero. Mm, Adobe wall fall on me, I die. Keys are safe. You saved those fucking kids, man. Hey, look it, you're lying. He is a whopper. Okay, boys, reel them in and throw them back out. We're coming up on the old artificial moon and you can't take your catch with you. Ferryman, did you just say artificial moon? <laughs> you guys take everything at face value. Come on, it's a prefab. But hey, for prefab, it's pretty spectacular, right? Nothing else like that light. If the moon is artificial, then who made it? Bah! I could explain it to you, but you wouldn't really understand. Besides, you're about to have your memory wiped, so what's the point, really? I... I'm going to have my memory wiped. And they do that as a favor to you. You're saying all of this wisdom I've accrued, all of these experiences I've had, it's all going to be erased? Yeah, but don't take it personal. It's just uh, fake moon shit. You work for this operation. <laughs> no, sir. I'm an independent contractor. My views do not necessarily reflect the views of counterfeit Moon Corp. I just roll the boat, and if I didn't do it, somebody else would. Shouldn't I be upset about this? <laughs> How can you be when you're absolutely wreathed in this tranquilizing luminescence? You're right. I'm not bothered in the slightest. Preposterous, but okay. <clears throat> yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like your life is spent on a prison planet in a flesh cell. All your hard-wrought human suffering is harvested for dirty fuel by extra-dimensional parasitic entities. What's worse is you've probably done this a hundred times, and we'll do it a hundred more until the Earth dies and they move on. But this type of horrific information is only relevant to you for a few minutes before they empty you out and punt you back down there into a fresh fetus. And the cycle begins anew. What you're saying to me right now is the most chilling thing I have ever heard. Completely chilling. But I just... The light makes it all all right. I couldn't be more relaxed. And that's real chilling, my man. Well, here we are. The banks of oblivion. I want to pause here for a second with a warning to the dying audience. This is of utmost importance. When you die... Oberlin, Oberlin, I'm going to stop you right there as we pause for a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we'll continue with your remarkable adventures in the afterlife. Now joining us, we have with us Oberlin Casey, who was recounting with meticulous detail everything he saw upon dying and journeying through the hereafter. 
We're going to take a few calls in a bit, but I want to keep trucking along here for now. So, Oberlin, you were about to say something of dire importance before I interrupted for the break. Yes. When you die, I mean, I'm not trying to tell anyone what to do. It's up to the individual. But when you die, I would strongly advise against going toward what you think is the light. You're saying the moon is not what we think it is. I did an episode on this very subject a few years ago. There's a theory that the moon is... People have different experiences and profess to go to different places. But if it's a moon, ye be visualizing. You might want to consider that it's really a recycling center for souls. A trap. Look, if you fancy endless loops of birth and death, it's your choice, but... I was there, and there was an oozing malevolence to the proceedings. What happened when you arrived there? I arrived on the moon to widespread confusion. The fuck is all this? The spell is instantly broken by the image of brown bodies, swarming masses of them in various stages of precarity. I have my diminutive but good-hearted companion Mauro with me. He explains, They'll die in an earthquake too. They were casualties from the big El Cacahuete earthquake that hit the day I died. Oh, yes, El Cacahuete, 8.9 in magnitude, historic death count. It looked like over a thousand pitiful souls stuck at the lunar border waiting to be processed. Did you hear what that ferryman said? We're walking into a massive deception here. They're going to induce amnesia and force us to rebirth so they can siphon off our life force. But light is good, no? To be honest, the light's feeling a little intrusive to me right now. Look at this, Mauro. We're in a stinking goddamn stockyard. What's that over there? Cages with children in them? Something real sick going on in here. Hey! You expect us to accept these conditions? This is bullshit! Comrades! Amigos! Wake up to your oppression! If something is free, you're the product! Look out, man! What a fantasma! It's going this way! Right. What's all this then, LOM? We're hip to your game, bucko. This is a revolt. We're taking back our agency. LOL. There's nothing to revolt against. This is the natural order of things. Bask in the light. Take solace in it. Take solace in what? The fact I'm getting raped by it? I refuse to be raped by the light. Say it with me, people! I refuse to be raped by the light! We understand the traumatic experience you've just been through, but there is nothing to fear here. The light is not violating you. We are your friends and constant companions, LOL. Yeah, thanks, no thanks. I don't keep friends with unfeeling logarithms who perpetrate pure light rape. These are human beings, and they refuse to be treated this way against their consent. They aren't human beings anymore. They are energy-producing orbs of rewritable data. You're being crazy. Real crazy, LMAO. Everyone rise up! Rise up against barbaric conditions and fascist parasites! You are deserving of dignity! It's unjust of them to force you to go back! You're actually getting upset at this. LOL. This isn't even real. You think this is real? Maybe you should log off, man. LOL. Don't touch me, faggot. I'm allowed to say it. 
If you cannot settle down, I will be forced I to... I am a blue-check journalist for UNN. We're not settling down, and we're not going back, and we refuse to be further raped by the light. Maybe you could just decide to have a normal one instead. Amigos! Amigos! We must resist! Mauro, Defected. can you translate Defected. for me? Defected. I need now, man. More Defected. coming. Defected. Look! Look! Defected. Defected. Wait, Defected. what are you? Defected. Subject. Initiating Defected. disposal sequence. Do not touch Defected. me. Defected. I know my rights. Preparing to dispose. Fuck off me, man. Disposing in three, two, Wait! One. Stop! Whoever these rape-thirsty tech supremacists were, they flung me off their bogus natural satellite at an incredible velocity, back down to Earth. And back I came, this time devoid of form. I thought it would be liberating to finally not have to be defined by my biology, but it was horrible. I returned to the big city I had called home for so many years, drifting through its familiar streets and derelict encampments, relegated to the role of second-class spirit. I was no different now than the lowly unhoused legions I floated past on the sidewalk. Not requiring food or shelter due to my absence of physical needs, I did acknowledge my position of privilege while still being able to identify on a deep level. This must have been very lonely. Did you visit anyone you know? I ended up astral projecting to my tiny 10th floor walk up in the Oxtel district to find Jim Nippity all alone in their gaming chair. My sweet Jim Nippity. I would have done anything just to touch them one more time. It sounds like you guys had a very intimate relationship. I never knew Jim Nippity's bio-assigned gender in all the six unforgettable years we'd spent together, because I'd never asked, out of respect. I loved them for who they were, all 300 pounds of them. My other lovers satisfied different carnal requirements, but Jim Nippity was a soulmate. And at this juncture, they don't even know you've been in an accident. That's correct, no one's been contacted. Life is going on as usual without their knowing I've died. So I'm hovering over Jim Nippity, alone in our apartment. And I watch them pull their Adventure Time pajama bottoms down and start to pleasure themselves with the wand in front of their webcam streaming audience. Just want to remind you here of standard broadcast rules. Not being able to ask consent to watch or even being a paid subscriber. I figured it best to depart from my love for the time being and give them their privacy. My thoughts then turn to my parents. Despite our estrangement, I feel this burning desire to see them, to be near them. I hadn't been back to that oppressive milieu since I escaped after high school. Later, I would read certain opinions expressed on social media by my mother and father and decide to end the relationship altogether. But in this moment, you are drawn to be with them. I covered miles and blinks of eyes. I swiftly located my old southern hometown, the old neighborhood, the family home that I searched to find just how I'd left it, but unoccupied. Then I remembered. This was Wednesday evening. My folks would have been at the Free Will Baptist Church services. 
So I go to church. The church I grew up attending. Boy, if those walls could talk. I was a total youth group kid. Baptized at 12, bought into the whole thing. But eventually I came to resent it and those I felt perpetrated it upon me. The building looks so much smaller now, still completely familiar. It's sparsely populated, mostly with older people. And there in their usual back row pew are seated my mother and father. I descend next to them as my old pastor, Tommy Gaines, leads the congregation in prayer. I wanted so badly to tell them, to let them know, to let them know that you loved them, to let them know I had forgiven them for their views. Mm-hmm. Our Father and gracious God, we thank you for your kindness to us. We thank I you watch the time. pastor pray. We thank you for your word. And I God, see I this that you give us clear minds energy clear hearts. emanating and from the crown of his head, things, I pray that you give curling us like incense to up toward the roof beams. To obey. Suddenly I can hear the collective silent prayers of the entire congregation. Lord, I pray that as we reflect on this, you would show us in our lives and in our families what we need to do. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will bring them about. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit will get more of this chance. I won't go out these online gambling sites anymore. Please. I can hear my parents pray. Keep my Oberlin safe. From me. Let him know he is loved. Father, please watch over my son. Let him see your presence in his life. They assume I'm alive and well out there, not dead and discarnate right next to them. I redirect my gaze to the multiple ribbons of fine spiritual incense gently rising from the church members' bowed heads, joining together in an effervescent prayer stream. I float up to the center of the chapel to more closely examine this stream as it rises to the ceiling. My energy becomes gathered into it. I'm being lifted with these prayers up toward the rafters, through the church steeple, and into the night sky. You're being lifted up into the air on a rising column of prayers. That's correct, and we're rising higher into the firmament. As I leave the Earth's atmosphere, the current gains momentum. We quickly pass the artificial lunar trauma harvester and continue on deeper into the galaxy. A sensation of tremendous speed. The stars are streaking past. Then... The current decelerates as it approaches a gigantic bejeweled cube floating in space, and a hatch opening up in the bottom of said cube. The prayers are pulling me through the hatch into a shaft where so many other prayers of humanity swirl together. I'm taken into a place, the most visually stunning place I have ever seen. Fake Moon's narcotic siren song paled in comparison to the deep undercurrent of serenity in this cube. 
As I look upon this setting, I know this is a good place to get off. I depart from the prayer stream as it continues to ascend to an even higher terminus. This is when I feel my nebulous cloud of consciousness assume a more solid form in the cube's atmosphere. Something between flesh and spirit, a body taking on mass and dimension as I fall softly toward a pristine glade where my newly regenerated bare feet touch grass. Bob, the aromas. This sounds to me like we're talking about heaven, paradise. There's a distinction. There might be. Either way, it's a place of peace. Peace that passes almost all understanding, but not for I. No, I did not arrive here by traditional means. So while my surroundings may have been an ultra HD 4K panorama of indescribable vistas, my mind was not at rest. I was undocumented in this cube. So I tread lightly and keep a low profile as I explore these new environs. Yes, the landscape is percent 100, Italian finger kiss, but something about the streets of gold, the mansions of glory populating the hillsides. You took issue with it. It was all a bit religious for my tastes, chintzy, like some sort of big boomer Bible park. But look at me being a fuss budget over here. I knew this was a place free of human suffering and woe. And that was cool. The people are perfect. Perfect teeth, perfect skin, perfect politics. So I fit in fine in that regard. But I have no standing up here. No mansion or treasures of my own. So I figure I need to track somebody down that I know. You know? See if they can put me up. I locate the nearest user-friendly information kiosk and leaf through the cube's member directory, searching for any dead relatives. Oh, the notable names I saw as I scrolled past Bob. I saw... and... and surprisingly... Oh, wow. Is in heaven? Allegedly, yes. That's a bit shocking. Finally, I find my Mima in the directory. Resident search for Opal Casey. Opal Casey lives on 23 Pentecost Court. Would you like directions to this address? If anyone made it into this place, it would have been Mima. Woman was a saint and a remarkable cook. Now I have to solve the problem of transportation. Oh yeah, here's a humorous detail. Everyone in paradise drives their own personal golf cart. Really? Big time electric buggy culture up there. Yeah, maybe the next generation of incumbents will install a better public transportation system. But no matter. I easily locate an unattended cart and hop the hell on. I cruise the streets with ease. 70 degree breeze in my face. Zero traffic. And the cart capable of moving at an impressive speed. I'm trying to enjoy the ride, but I'm paranoid, you know? You feel like a gatecrasher. I stop off on my way there and pick a bouquet of flowers to give to my dead grandmother when I see her. And continuing on, I arrive at a quiet little gated community. I pull up to her mansion. I have to say, I'm proud of her. She's done well for herself. I ring the doorbell, my stomach a dance with butterflies. 
So full of anticipation to see this woman, this queen, who loved me so unconditionally. Well, hello there. Mima, you look so young, so beautiful. Well, you're a fine one to talk. Mm-mm. Look at those delicate features. They say I inherited my looks from you. How can I help you, neighbor brother? Mima, it's me. Help me out. From the fervent supplication, the exaltation of glory, uh, maybe the bridge tournament. I'm your grandson. It's Oberlin. Hmm. I don't have a grandson named Oberlin. Sure you do. You practically raised me. Those famous grilled cheeses. Anyone can make a grilled cheese. Not like you did. Wait. Meemaw, you haven't been to the moon, have you? Guess you wouldn't remember if you did. No, I ain't been to no moon. I think you might have got your wires crossed somewhere, sweetheart. You're looking for your grandmother? Did you try one of the Akashic information kiosks? They're real user-friendly, even for seniors. Your name is Opal Casey. That is my name, but I don't know who you are. Do you remember any of your grandkids? I remember grandkids. Name them. Well, I can't on the spot like this. I remember them. That's good enough. They monkey with your memory every damn place you go here. I think what you were encountering here is an old theological question. Listen, Meemaw, I am a blood relative and I need a place to stay. Simply stated, will we have memories of people who are not in heaven with us? I was thinking I could move in here forever if you didn't mind putting some family up. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. Wait just a minute, Buster. And the former shall not be remembered. The things you're telling me are causing sorrow and anguish. Nor come into mind. That's not permitted up here. The truth hurts, but I need help. For the past troubles will be forgotten and hidden from my eyes. Did you not talk to the gate people? They get you all taken care of. I can take you to them right now. It seems your orientation is just so different up there that these worldly remembrances fade away naturally and do not come to mind. I guess this is a better deal than my dead grandmother bearing witness to every shitty transgression I make and living forever with the knowledge of never being reunited with me as probably different people end up in different eternal destinations as we might learn tonight. No, listen, I'm a unique case. I'm your grandson. You're my Meemaw. I just need a place to lay low. You'll never see me. I'll stay out of your hair. Okay. Let's sit a spell and give this a quality think. Honey, do you like lemonade? We should sit out on the porch, have some cold lemonade, and get this thing figured out. Go on and have a seat out there. Bring us some glasses. Here. Okay. I guess. It's so nice out right now. I'll be right back. Just relax. So I sit out there an uncomfortable length of time before I become suspicious of what's going on inside. I get up. I go to the door. You locked the door? Mima! Open the door! Open the door! You're locking me out? That's when I heard the approaching sirens of the Seraphim authorities and realized my dear old grandmother had called them on me. Mima! whore! You turned me in! I took flight before they could arrive on the scene. What ensued was an all-time, open-world, five-star suicide chase.
I jumped back in the golf cart and punched it like a drive beast, climbing to speeds in excess of 150 mph. If I could just make it back to the hatch and out of the queue, maybe I could get back down to Earth. Even mind wipe reincarnation seemed a better option than whatever divine justice awaited me in here. With stealth, I handled the exquisite gold-paved highways, angel cops in hot pursuit. I want to stop you. Okay. Angel cops, describe these beings you were being pursued by. I don't know, drony? Drony, like a worker bee? Drony like quadcopter. Fashion. Very cubist, very drony, 5D Picasso people. All angles at once like a stroke simulation. Like, like, like look at them too long, your thighs and gonads start stinging. Copy that. They're gaining, but my vice for speed is taking good care of me. Huge good. I drive the cart right through entire building facades, plow through crowds of cube denizens, negotiate labyrinthine systems of back alleys and side roads in my cinematic escape. But alas, in the end, I was not faster than the host of heaven. Cornered and desperate, I considered suicide. Jumping from a great height or running myself through with something sharp. Suicide in heaven. Do we know what that looks like? We don't know what that looks like. Probably no more effective than trying to tickle one's own self. So out of options, I surrender peacefully. Fuck you, pigs! Pick a fucking perspective! Next thing I know, I'm hemmed up and being airlifted from the scene. They haul me off to some municipal building and throw me in an interrogation room for what felt like days. Riveting stuff, Oberlin. Let's go to break, and when we come back, we'll take a few call-ins on what I've dubbed for this special episode, the all-night afterlife line. Then continue this adventure. Winder of a story here. I'm joined by near-death experiencer Oberlin Casey, and we're taking a few calls before we dive back into his odyssey. Stuart in Tempe, Arizona, you're on the air. Hello? Hey, Stuart, you're on the air. Uh, am I on the air? <clears throat> Stuart, you're on the air. Oh, hey, hey, Bob. Hey, Oberlin. Hello? Hi, Stuart. Stuart, do me a favor and turn your radio down, please. Ah, what? I, I thought it's down. I thought Check I it again, Stuart. Is, is it's the, the is, turn my radio down? Okay, Stu, thanks for calling. Get your life in order. Come back, talk to us. Next, let's go to James in Chicago, Illinois. James, go ahead. Yes, hi, Bob. I wanted to proffer a theory about your guest's experience. Proffer it up, James. Not trying to be a wet blanket here, but I think it's much more plausible that Oberlin just imagined all this. Oh, well, hell, James, you listen this far. You don't think any of this could be an authentic account of life after death? We can't trust what one purports to see in a flush of natural psychoactives that are released by the body during extreme trauma. It's much more realistic to regard this, frankly, shaggy vision as some great 
dimethyltryptamine-soaked theater of the dying mind. Uh, sure, maybe aspects of it can be poetic and transcendent, rich with symbolism. Let's take but, one more call. We got Andy in Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Andy, you're on the air. Oh, uh, hey, what's up, guys? Uh, this has been a great show so far. Really hits close to home for me. Uh, happy to hear it. Yeah, I myself was pronounced dead for 17 minutes. Electricity overdose. Okay, ouch. Yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't speak to any of the moon stuff, but I did travel to a cube like you described. Yes, the great jewel-encrusted cube suspended in the void. And I can attest to there being golf carts. A lot of them. Confirmed it's a Carter's paradise up there. Yeah. I never saw one go 150, though. Well, I was dead a lot longer than you, and I can assure... Andy, did you happen to enter the cube by different means than our guest? Yeah, that's right. I came in through the front entrance. Love that for you, Andy. And there, there was a man at the gates who was checking people in. I'd like to get back to the story now, Bob, if we could, unless you wanted to keep interviewing Mr. 17 Minutes here. Certainly. Okay, Oberlin. When last we left off, you'd been captured by angelic authorities. Yes, I've been alone in this depressing room for an indeterminate amount of time. And finally... Sorry to have kept you waiting. Lots to sort out in the wake of your escapade. Are you my lawyer? I am more of an arbiter. Not the arbiter, but an arbiter of sorts. Well, I'm not talking to you without legal representation. You inflicted quite a bit of property damage to our community and emotional distress to its members. Members. This place is deep wrong and sick. My only regret is I didn't cause more damage. I'm done until you get a lawyer in here. Done. Damage is not the going concern here. It's disturbance of the peace. This is a place of rest. You rattled quite a few resting members. I said I'm done, sir. Want lawyer. My Akashic tablet accesses your review. So we may determine whether or not you meet member criteria. If so, then this mishap will be forgiven and forgotten. Are you undercover God? Why not just say you're God if you're God? My name is Simon Peter, and it is my duty to screen every soul who devises to enter this dominion, which you have infiltrated most illegally. I had a perfect record before your break-in. Who are you to decide who's worthy of this place? Your own deeds decide for you. You need no lawyer because your own lived life presented objectively serves as your defense. To begin, I just need your name so we may look up your record and screen your review. I wasn't feeling especially confident about this. I knew that the tablet was going to reveal a litany of misdeeds. And however I felt in the moment about the stuffiness of this paradise, I knew the alternative, if it existed, was greatly undesirable. Then again, they did let a in here. So maybe my chances were more decent than I thought. At any rate, he asked me my name and I gave it to him. Gutierrez. Mauro Gutierrez. Okay, Mr... Gutierrez. That's somewhat presumptuous, isn't it? 
You just gave me your, the mister. You know, sorry to interrupt. I, I, I too was a little apprehensive about, you know, properly addressing your personage tonight. And I respect that trepidation, Bob. You presume that I have been presumptuous. I just thought folks would be a little more enlightened up here. Retrieving life review for Kiteris model. Loading. Loading. One moment. One moment. Plain life review for Moro Kiteris. Dear me, Mauro. Masterpiece of bastardry. The life we reviewed was not the reputedly righteous life my Mexican fishing buddy claimed to have led. Instead, we saw a live leak montage of ingenious sociopathic violence, high level cartel involvement, terrorism, many, many counts of sexual assault. I'd wager to say he didn't give his life saving those children from a collapsing building. No, he did, but those children were human trafficking victims. He died trying to salvage his own merchandise. Damn. Just damn. Okay, stop. Stop! I'm going to come clean here. I was just having a goof. Of course I'm not this person. You are not this Gutierrez. I'm nervous. Maybe my own personal record's not spotless, but compared to that nightmare matinee, what is your real name? Have you ever considered this method of judgment might be a little unfair? It is the most just thing in creation. No one is completely confident of their review. I have seen many cases of, and if I don't meet your criteria, do you send me back to the moon? Is there a hell? You, you've been to the moon. Give me your name forthwith. I don't want to give you my name. I don't even know who you are. Sooner or later, I am going to learn your true identity. You don't even know what it's like down there. You're going to judge a life based on all these random variables I had no control over? I most certainly do know what it's like. I lived and died same as you. What, like back in Bible times? Yes, back in Bible times. This is not a confession of guilt. I'm just very leery of your screening system and would like to know more about it before I consent. I died young before I could realize my potential and I need to know you take that into account. Give me your name forthwith. No decision has ever been unjust. It's impossible. We can discuss eternal placement afterward. Who do you work for? You know whose business I am about. You shouldn't assume these things. There are no atheists in heavenly holding cells. You work for God, then introduce us. You are a brazen one. It's established you're not omnipotent. You don't have the ability to telepathically discern my name or you would have done so by now. Maybe your boss can. Do not put him to the test. I'm only trying to understand what's at stake if my life is deemed unsatisfactory. This is your last opportunity to, of your own volition, tell me your name so we can begin the process. If I stand to be banished from this place, I want to see God first. So you're telling me you're not giving me your name. I'm representing myself here. I don't want to make your life difficult, but there's a lot at stake for my client. 
so be it. What are you doing? You cannot see the Ancient of Days directly. So I am putting blindfolds on the both of us and petitioning Archangel Harambayel to escort us to the Imperion. Peter called for our escort, blindfolded me, then himself. And not long after, we were led out of the room by what I could sense was a figure of incredible size and strength. Real silverback energy. Up we go. We are ascending somewhere higher than paradise. Departing for the unapproachable splendor of the Empyrean. The seat of creation. The great white throne room. The Holy of Holies. I could sense hierarchical tiers of saints and cherubim rising higher and higher in dizzying succession as we rose through this venerated silo. My God, the order. The maddening order. Hierarchy. Great and terrible hierarchy. Finally, we entered into a high place of awesome power. My blindfold could not filter out the light. I was fear. We were in direct presence with the source of all things. Sickrock! Yes! This is the subject I had petitioned about. How did you get in here without wedding garments, friend? He's... he's talking to me? Yes, you. I'm not sure what you're... You're speaking in metaphor? You, gatekeeper. Is it not your duty to keep those in improper dress clothes from entering my abode? Somehow he found a way in. I am trying to screen him so that... Suck cock! He's saying suck cock. This is one of his new dispensations. A commentary I gather on the power of blasphemy. Not sure yet. Because you have allowed him to invade unannounced, you will deliver him to outer darkness yourself. Thy will be done. Outer darkness? We must leave now. Hold on. Is that hell? Now be gone with ye. We've got to make an appeal here. We didn't even watch my life review. I'm entitled to that much. All particular judgments are final. And so we must depart. It is a long trek. This isn't right. You think this is right? Hey! You give me outer darkness for a little B and E and some joyriding? Look, I'll go back to Earth and try human suffering again, whatever it takes to make this right. You would question my infinite wisdom? I think anyone who's just been condemned to hell would question his condemner's infinite wisdom. No! Outer darkness! Now! Ah, uh, I don't mean nothing by it. Suck 
cock! You know what? You suck, cock! Do not make this worse. There are levels of punishment there. I'm supposed to be judged on my deeds in totality. Be gone, suck-cock! Oh, real edgy, man. Why don't you say the N-word now? If anyone has authority to say the N-word, it's the Almighty, right? Enough! I am taking you with me now before... No, I want to hear God drop an N-ball. Last request of a damned soul. It is finished. Say it, pussy! Exterior, the desolate plains of purgatory, eternal twilight. Liminal. So liminal here. Liminal as fuck. To add insult to eternity, I must cross the expansive gulf between paradise and hell on foot, tethered to my humorless warden. A long, slow slog through cursed cartography, with plenty of time to think about what awaited me. Okay, pick up your feet. Cannot prolong the inevitable, and I have pressing duties to return to. I might walk faster if there is some conversation to keep my mind off things. Maybe you'd talk to me a little, out of the kindness of your heart. You did tell me you were human. You lived and died, right? Are you familiar with the Gospels? I used to be. Older I get, the more the old mind is pure sewer pipe. Information just flows right through, nothing retained. I was an apostle of Christ. Have you ever met him? I'm telling you, I walked with him in the flesh, on earth. He was my friend. That's pretty sick. Pretty sick life, I imagine. You still keep in touch? He is with me always. Where was he during all those crazy cube theatrics? He is preoccupied at present moment, which is why I man the gates, a duty he imparted onto me personally. He gave you the keys to the kingdom? Yes. You retained that. That's in the gospel? Yes. Have you been to hell before? I have looked upon it. So what exactly does that look like? I simply cease to exist? Annihilation by fire? Conscious eternal torment. Conscious eternal torment. Conscious eternal torment. You know, the concept of hell is why I stopped believing. Well, it is a difficult reality for most to accept. How could a just God condemn someone to torture without end? How could a just God not? We are made to live before we know how. It isn't fair. If you knew his mercy and his long-suffering patience, you would understand. If you don't want to be with him, he grants that request. Free will, my brother. He is the embodiment of fairness. I do want to be with him. Are you crazy? You think I want to be where you're taking me? Hmm. Yes. Hindsight and the like. Maybe my actions said otherwise. You don't know what it's like down there these days. I own my mistakes, but circumstances were suboptimal in a world so broken. I experienced true pain. 
Not that you would understand. I was crucified upside down. You were crucified upside down? Jesus Christ! But I endured to the end. I did not love my life unto death. Why not love it? It's a gift, right? From the embodiment of fairness. It is too late on this trip to pore over such matters. I'm just trying to get to know you. These dialogues continued for many days of perceivable time. The journey was arduous and the scenery left much to be desired. So I probed, and a sort of bond grew as we traversed the nothingscape. I'll grant you one more question, then we must rest a spell. Okay, here's a good one. Why something instead of nothing? Perhaps prior to the beginning, those two concepts were unified, indivisible from each other. Then God got bored, or he wanted to know himself. Perhaps he wanted to hear a song that sings its own self into existence, in order to explore nuance and potentiality, to experience limitation. I'm not sure. Someday I will know, when the mystery is finished. Why is there evil if he's all-powerful? Lawlessness is another mystery yet to be revealed. Maybe he wanted to define what good was. In order to do that, he created a contrast. This is only a hypothesis in my limited understanding as a mortal man. Maybe he wanted to know what it felt like to be wrong. That's very astute. Possibly so. Peter... Do you know what emotional labor is? I'm not sure I do. You get crucified upside down, and as a reward, they make you a doorman. Well... You watch these hopeful applicants' sorted-ass lives. You turn them away or allow them through. Mentally, that's got to be a lot. Dunno, it just seems disproportionate. I am happy to serve in this capacity. But you served in life, right? And you paid the ultimate price. Don't you think you deserve some R&R? Do you have any hobbies? I quite like to fish. Recreationally. Nice. I recently did some fishing. Fresh air. Domination of nature. A sense of achievement. Boys only. You're entitled to that. You didn't love your life unto death. Now you're stuck with this shit security detail? Seems fucked. Eventually my work will be done, when the final judgment is finished and the book is closed. I'm talking more about the principle of the whole thing. Don't you feel you deserve better? Well, I did deny my lord three times. But did he not forgive you? He was your friend, the Ultimo Forgiver. But still, gate duty. You are confused and impious. I mean, shit, I'm just thinking out loud for the sake of discourse. All right, I'm going to rest, and I suggest you do the same. There's still much distance to cover before we reach your destination. Destination? Just say what it is. You're taking me to hell, so I can receive my just reward. So just, man. And this pattern continued. Walking, resting, talking until 
Do you see that light off in the distance? Where? Over there. I don't see anything. You sure we're going the right direction? You saw it. It is the mouth of Hades. Just a little over a Sabbath's walk away. You know, I've been wrestling with something. God knows everything that's going to happen, right? So this has all been predestined. Free will is a sham. I was made and born and always doomed to this fate. Born to doom. You're being dramatic. You say I had choices in life. I say I was programmed from the start to play out a tragic existence. I would reckon it's more sophisticated than that. Yes, he knows how it will all turn out, but the emphasis is on the surprise of the unfolding. As a result of free will, he sets the parameters and you are free to improvise. Foreknowledge does not necessitate predestination. But that's just a personal theory, right? Again, I only know so much at present moment. You know what used to scare me as a church kid? Besides everlasting hellfire? I'd think about the story of the rebellion in heaven. Why would Satan and his angels rebel against God if they didn't think they had a shot at winning? I'm going to stop talking now. We're almost there. Harrow yourself. Do you hear that? Yes, I do. Are those the screams of the damned? Yes, they are. I want to tell you I consider you a friend. No bullshit, you're just doing your job. I wish you could have seen my life. You'd see I'm not so terrible. Misguided, sure, but I had a few gold moments. I'm sure you did. Would you do me a favor? Would you watch it when you get back? It would be nice if one person in heaven remembered me. I have my tablet right here. What? We could have been listening to music or podcasts this whole time instead of all that midwit pontificating? Well, hey. Maybe we could stop here a minute and put it on. Have a few laughs before the big serious. Well, I'm not... Come on, Peter. Grant me that. Oh, all right. You get settled. This is our last rest stop. Thank you, my friend. He withdrew his tablet, and we sat together for the last time. Playing life with you for Oberlin Casey. We watched an innocent child grow up in the late 20th century and venture into the new world of the 21st. Child of epoch, adult of decline. We watched as social programming, media, SSRIs and processed food all took their toll. We witnessed moments of genuine altruism, many more of keyboard altruism. Love was received, love was shared, love was lost and withheld. We watched the subject commit spiritual adultery with false idols of identity, division, materialism, speed, and 
before a juvenile soul could correct its course, it was all over too soon. I would probably have made a lot of the same choices you made, given the circumstances. Thank you. I did my best. You think it was good enough to get me into the cube? Not for me to say. I just let the particular judgment speak for itself and direct them to their final resting place. It doesn't tell you on there whether or not I made the cut. It doesn't matter now. Come on, fucker. It does to me. It is time. To your feet now. I'm not going. Oberlin? They will treat you even worse if they see me dragging you up to those gates. I'm not going. I reject this. Your choice in the matter has been forfeited. To your feet! This isn't right. You know it's not. Have it your way. Please. There has to be another way. Please stop struggling. You said I was your friend. Don't put a friend through this. Am I your friend? Oberlin, am I your friend? Damn it. What? What are you doing? I'm letting you go, fool. But what will happen to you if you don't finish your job? There's a good chance we might see one another again. In the fire. Well, fuck then. I can't do that to you. I'm unlocking your manacles, and I'm walking away. You cannot go back to paradise, but to roam the outskirts forever beats the alternative, I suppose. I only pray the Ancient of Days will forgive me for not having the conviction to carry out his will. But I am just a man. A man who is so very tired from nearly 2,000 years of emotional labor. And I cannot bring myself to- oh! I brought the rock down hard on the only friend I had's head and sprinted off far and fast into the reaches of this wasteland. You assault the St. Peter, you beat a hasty retreat, narrowly escaping the flames of hell and the man who's charged with delivering you there. Hey, I'm not proud of my actions, but a desperate animal will chew through its very leg to save itself. I was operating on pure survival instinct. Oberlin, don't go anywhere. I am enthralled. I'm sure the listening audience is enthralled. We're going to take a quick one and get back to the story in two shakes. Stay with us. And now, a three-minute intermission before we commence with the second half of Hereafter Man. Gigi, pause ear movie.
Hey, Chi-Chi. Resume ear movie. Welcome back to the continuing afterlife adventures of Oberlin Casey. Oh boy, I'm about four Nespresso's deep at this point, and I am vibrating, folks. We're deep into the night at this point, and I am completely captivated by this story. Oberlin, how are you holding up? Feeling great, Bob. I'm watching this summer storm building outside and just marveling at nature and life. Wonders never cease. You've been regaling us with your maybe not-so-noble exploits, but intriguing nonetheless. I know I'm withholding my judgment. I'm going to go back to the A-N-A-L line here in a bit, but first, Oberlin. Bob. Oberlin, we're talking about NDEs tonight, near death. Now, we know you eventually made it back, but it's clear now something other than life is at stake here. Not just one human's deliverance from outer darkness, but possibly two now, Bob. The further I run, the more I realize what I've done. I like this guy, and I know I can't hide from divine justice forever. It's only right that I turn around and accept my fate. I'm going to face the second death with dignity. I race back to find Peter so he can complete his assignment. Peter is long gone. I search and search to no avail until I become helplessly lost in the boundless sprawl of the abyss. I am become perpetually without destination. King Liminal. How long have I been out here? Weeks? Days? Is this heat death, ego death all over again? I am steadily succumbing to madness in what feels like the largest solitary confinement cell known to man. Then, after indeterminate intervals, finally, a novelty. Far off in the distance. Is it only Feta Morgana? If I'm hallucinating, I welcome it. Anything to break up the tortuous monotony. I make out a small red glowing dot on the horizon, accompanied by a singing. The singer and their glowing lantern draw near. The emerging outline of a person holding a hollowed-out turnip with a burning chunk of coal in it. Are you? Hello? Who's that, then? Are you real life? 
By gum, I haven't clapped eyes on another human soul in over 20,000 renditions of that cock-sucking song. Only song I remember now. I've been roving about for time immemorial with an ungodly case of throbbing priapism and nary a hole to plunge my prick into, and not a single drop of beer to cool my tongue either. It's been lost for so long. I was looking for my friend, but I found no trace of him. Never saw this alleged friend, but if I ever do happen to happen upon a destitute soul out here, my policy is to bugger them mercilessly until they light out screaming never to be seen again. Perhaps this type of forced entry provides the spark of direction that leads them out of here and on to their appointed destiny. Sodomy can be an incredibly motivating force. I wouldn't get your hopes up on doing that to me. Step a little closer into my lamplight. Oh, you're a pretty little androgen, aren't you? Thank you. I don't even know if I could bring myself to defile such a platonic ideal. My. Turn around for old Stingy Jack there if you wouldn't mind. Rarely have I beheld such architecture, and when I do, I have to be sure to document every- Oh, my! That posterior. I may not be in the best graces with my creator, but I must doff the cap when he gets it right. God damn. Okay, you're making me uncomfortable now. Will I do what now? You think I give a fee-fi-fo-fuck who I make uncomfortable? I've been trawling this barren nowhere with a sack full of pump for five of your lifetimes, boyo. Have you been paying attention? You know how I get. Consider yourself lucky I haven't splayed you out already and made a mess of that downy soft white cake. No. No. You are a delicate specimen. No matter how debased and ill-mannered I may appear, I have an obligation to protect true beauty when I come across it. Problematic, but kind. I'm Oberlin. I am Stingy Jack. Stingy with my coin, stingy with my drink, but generous in the ways of recreational sodomy, from which I will abstain in your company. How did you come to be here? You can't leave? Conclusion I've come to is we're trapped inside a kind of infinitely repeating low-res simulation, and this great chasm has been fixed in such a way to be incrossable, inescapable. The only exits I've encountered are the gates of the two eternal kingdoms, through which I am granted no passage. And that suits me just fine, fucking losers. What happened with that? My fair dear, let us take a stroll and I'll tell you a story. But stroll ahead of me a pace so I may gaze upon that backside and be filled with the muse's inspiration. I will allow it. But no shenanigans. I'm stronger than I look. You have my word. I'm hard as diamonds right now. But I will sublimate this base desire into the higher energies of storytelling. I lived a long time ago, and I lived a life of ill repute. To a legendary degree. So much, in fact, that the legend of said factual improprieties traveled far and wide. So far, and so wide, that my reputation came to be known by Red Satan himself. Others call him Hob, or Old Scratch. Still others know him as Lucifer, or the Devil, the Prince of the Power of the Air. However you choose to identify him, his father of lies was so impressed by my rap sheet that he took it upon himself to personally seek me out. I was known to imbibe in those days. Yes, I enjoyed the drink.
one night outside the only tavern left in the country that would serve a louse such as I, while relieving myself in the horse trough, Satan appeared from the fog. Whoa. Stingy Jack. I am an ardent admirer of yours. Possessing such a high, immoral IQ myself, I often feel alienated and alone. So it's nice to meet someone who approaches my level. Well, Red Satan, I am flattered, of course. And I always had a notion I'd be seeing the likes of you someday, on account of my supreme vileness. But not this soon. Jack, the world is not worthy of your talent. Come with me to hell and be my new best friend. Think of the great conversations we'll have, the hijinks we could devise, a shared appreciation of wrongdoing. My life is over? I have a nice, cozy spot prepared for you down below. Prime real estate. We'll be neighbors. But I'm not ready to go yet. They all say that. I expected something a little less uh, cliché from you. Well, fuck you. I'm not trying to be original here. I'm trying to stay alive. I've gone way out of my way to set all this up. If you knew how rare an occurrence this was... Wait, wait, wait. You say you're a fan. Well, have a drink with me, goddammit. You wouldn't deny a grievous bastard one last taste of worldly vice, would you? So that old deceiver agreed to my request, and we stepped into the pub for a few rounds. Bomb made, you ugly motherfucking bitch! Two more ciders, post haste! <laughs> <laughs> We have reached, without a doubt, peak, Jack. Any other iniquity you could sow in this world would only be hackneyed repetition. Now, don't be so sure about that. I'm still thirsty. I can focus my efforts and become a great leader of men. An apostate, or warlord, or industrial tycoon that exploits countless workers. It's not too late. Well and good, but it's your... Effortlessness I admire most. Corrupt kings and demigods are impressive in their own right, sure. But I tire of self-important overachievers. Your brand of understated elegance can't be taught or forced. You're playing abstract scales that haven't been discovered yet. Truly inspiring. Insult and flattery are one and the same in that they both reinforce a false sense of self. Settle the tap and tip them back. The night grows short. Fair enough, I'll just... Hang on here. I haven't a thin dime on me. Why, I'm positively skint. Running up a tab without any money? A greatest hit. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck do I care? I'm about to depart from this world anyways. <laughs> exactly. One last transgression. We walk the tab and never come back. My dominion awaits. Or, hear me out. Or... You can transform yourself into things, right? Serpents and such like? I can transmogrify into anything. Well, what say thou transmogrify thyself into a shiny silver coin? I pay this unsightly barmaid here. She takes a shilling. You turn back into your default form right before her beady close-set eyes and she commences to shit down both legs in fright. Mm, not really my sensibility, but could be funny. Something to laugh about on the trip over. Okay, okay. 
Keep a lookout. I'm going to hunch down and make like I'm tying my bootlace. Then I will turn myself into the coin. <laughs> this is going to be priceless. Okay, nobody's looking. Go, go. Then and there, he transforms himself into a silver shilling. I pick it up, I slap it on the bar, then I reach into my pocket and produce a small gold crucifix, which I place right on top of it, much to Satan's chagrin. Got you, you dumb motherfucker! Cross press the coin I walk the tab as initially planned and stagger home to practice some self-abuse. Pass out and live another day. The devil safely bound and restrained on my bedside table. And that's where he stayed for a good six months. A historically good six months in humanity's timeline that yielded healthy crops, massive decline in crime and violence, and economic boom all on a global scale. Until one day, Isabella, the half-foot cleaning girl at my flop house, decided to tidy up while I was at work. Obliviously, she removed the crucifix from the accursed shilling, and Satan was set free to accuse once more. That night, I was walking inebriated down a rural road. On my way home from the usual carousing, when I spot a nude young popinjay with his bare ass, plump as a partridge, presented to me off in the undergrowth. Not as exquisite as yours, my dear, but serviceable and available. Well, what would any red-blooded chap do but saunter over and accept this gentlemanly invitation? So I did just that. Unsheathing my equipment and aided by a fresh gob of spit, I blithely crossed his anal dorsal. It was then that I was taken by surprise. I felt intense temperature on my gossamer cock skin the likes I had never felt before. Like I had penetrated a furnace hot ass hymen. In great pain, I attempt to disengage, but I am too firmly planted in the swirling magma charybdis. The young man turned his head to me most unnaturally, and it was then that I beheld the smirking face of the adversary. I got you, Stingy Jack. I came once to make you my friend. Now I come to make you my toilet. He had me. He had me good. And so he proceeded to crawl forth, my miserable prick ensnared in this searing Sino sphincter trap, tugging me helplessly onto my doom. Several paces later, I speak up. Okay, Satan. Okay. I surrender. You got me. I am too old and too tired to fight, and I am plumb out of clever ideas to outsmart you with. So if you would kindly release me, I will walk with you as a man. A man who accompanies his master to hell with chin up and highs forward and privy parts safe in his pantaloons. Fine. This isn't comfortable for me either. I was trying to make a point. It was a point well taken. <laughs> <laughs> You're one funny SOB, Jack. It brings me no pleasure to have to defecate in your mouth for all eternity. If that be my fate, might I experience one last bite of something fresh and alive before I go to meet it? No more bars. No more tricks. No, no. All I would request is one of these crisp red apples conveniently growing on this tree right here. Oh, fine. Climb on up and pick a few for the journey. Ah, uh, well, I'd love to, but I don't climb much anymore. Knees are fucking ruined. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I'm not climbing up there for you. You'll try and run off. You think I'm running anywhere with knees like this? I'm yours, buddy. I've accepted my lot as the devil's receptacle. Okay, I'll fetch the apples. But if there's any funny business... Bro, I would never. I genuinely appreciate you honoring an old sod's final request. All right, I'm going up. <clears throat> hey, doesn't this remind you of that story from the Bible? You and the apple? Uh, well, that story's attributed to me, but... I'll explain on the way down. My dark master clambers up to make his selections, at which point I stealthily reach for my pocket knife and carve a nice big crucifix right onto the trunk of the tree, thus trapping him in the branches above. Again? Again with this? For heaven's sake. That's not once but twice I've tricked you. <laughs> I ask out of the devil. I ask out of the devil. You'll find it's not so easy to talk shit when that crucifix is gone and your mouth is full of the real stuff. <laughs> the sign of the cross has served me well. Too bad I never followed its example. Meh. Off I go. Wait, wait. I can't lose another six months. I'm so behind on my work. Let's make a deal here. Okay, well, I'll let you down if you promise to never come for me again. Bastard. Granted. And I want to be exempt from Hellfire. Take me off the roster. Oh, granted. Bastard. Nicely done. So I scratched off the crucifix and he climbed back down. I leave you in peace, stingy Jack. It could have been an iconic friendship. But you're too despicable for your own good. Fuck, friends, okay? Okay. Just remember, death comes for everyone, as it will for you someday. And every soul must go somewhere. That someday came a year later when I succumbed to psoriasis of the liver. Cirrhosis? Oh, from the alcohol abuse. And upon death, my spirit was caught up to the humongous Fabergé cube in the sky whereupon I encountered the man at the gates. Yeah, Peter. I've met him. He's a good man. I guess. Seemed like a faggot to me. A faggot who says, I cannot grant you passage. You lived a life of purely self-motivated acts. Impressive? Oh my, yes. But not in the way that wins you a dwelling here. So I, says to the faggot, thank you, but I have immunity from hell and I made a pact with Satan. Well, you cannot come inside. You are not written in the Book of Life, and I cannot have you loitering out front either. So, take this and go. What is this? Some stinking vegetable of some kind? It's a consolation turnip for those I turn away. So... 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 I retreat back into the self-same limbo, turn up in hand, without repose. Cold and alone, with sanity rapidly decreasing. My thoughts keep turning to hell. Abiding as the devil's neighbor or even as his personal commode didn't seem such an awful prospect now, compared to shuffling around in permanent solitude beneath this gloomy skybox. I set a course through the darkness for the gates of pandemonium. And once there, I ask to speak with the ancient accuser, who, nonplussed, comes to hear my appeal. Satan, it's me, your old buddy, out on his ass. 
Stingy Jack, you remember our agreement. I cannot allow you admittance to my kingdom. Come on! We had fun, didn't we? You like my style. It's so fucking boring out here. My hands are tied. Please. There's no one else out here, and it's so dark. Visibility is not for shit, man. Well, have this and be gone with ye. It's the best I can do. And he kicked one of the embers of hell over to me. With that, I took my consolation turn up and hollowed it out. Inside it, I placed that measly briquette and crafted this here rigged lantern. Stingy Jack. You're gonna scold me for saying in the middle of purgatory? Only God has authority to utter such slurs. Can I finish my story? Go ahead. Thank you. And that's the story of how you and I became eternal companions. Yeah, fucking right. Look here, I made an oath not to rape, and I will honor that oath. But if going your own way is your final decision, you will soon learn that loneliness in this anti-realm is a special breed of spectral sodomy far worse than budding up with yours truly over here. I know I got shit to work on. Maybe we can help one another. Grow, together. So you have no permanent address. You're a ceaseless nomad? Where am I gonna live? There's not a resource one out here to build any shelter with. Craggy stone and dry earth in perpetuity. True, no resources. You know, though, you are a resource of a kind. <laughs> I've been told that in the past. With face and fundament like that, I know some hell guards who would trade valuable charms to know you in the biblical sense. Yeah, but what good is a valuable charm out here? These charms contain the nascent elemental powers of the chief principalities. Seeds of water, seeds of grain, seeds of fire and clay. That we could work with. I've tried turning my own self out in the past, but these fallen angels are might particular about who they take to the laying bed. Obvi, I'm sex work posy. I'm just... Do we know what that looks like? To lie carnally with that type of bee. Your astral asshole is supple and resilient. It will cover. I don't feel encouraged by that. We can always just wander around aimlessly. I can teach you the one song I know and we can sing it together. Forever. Let's think about this. Say we were to trade my physical assets for their elemental capital. Say we dig a well. Say we procure some barley. We fashion a bevy of clay bricks. Bake them with fire. Erect a shelter. A speakeasy of sorts. A den-up vice for the wayward and curious. I like it. Hell, I love it. We build up our own kingdom out here. A third way. A Weimar Babylon that offers all the comforts and amusements not to be found in the other two kingdoms. Legions will come to partake in the all-permissive atmosphere. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Thou wilt, thou wilt. God damn it! I really struck gold when I happened upon you. Come, let us travel to the far walls of Hades where we will solicit your sweet bippy to the demon Caprofisto, who will then spread the gospel of our product among his heinous rabble. I'm scared, Stingy Jack. As you should be. But think of all we stand to gain. Things are taking a turn for the sordid here on Extra Mundane. Quick break, don't leave, right back. 
This is Charles Carroll for the Charles Carroll Online School of Elite Demonology. Dive into a vast curriculum and access ancient esoteric wisdom at ccosed.edu.gov.vatican.pump. My accredited institution is offering online courses in all manner of necromancy and extra-dimensional invocation. Your instructors? How about the demons themselves? What do you think of that? After enrolling in my program, you'll be swapping narcotics recipes with Ephippus, harnessing the power of advanced self-suck from Osmodius, unlocking the secrets of internet gambling success from Belphegor, and much more. These incubi, succubi, jins, demi, semi, omniurges, fractal dimension harlequins, and other legion beyond human comprehension are waiting to help aid you in your life and career. Listen to what one of our satisfied graduates has to say. Accepting applications for fall semester now? Enroll today for Optimum Tomorrow. Welcome back. We're here with expert death survivor Oberlin Casey talking about rough trade and the great beyond. But first, the ANAL line is open and we're taking a few calls, starting with the one and only from Redlands, California. You all know him, longtime friend of the show, Gary Garage. Gary, my man, how's your night going? Good, Bobby, good. Just listening, smoking in the smoking lounge. My man here converted a section of his garage into an enclosed smoking lounge last year. You drinking anything good tonight, Gary? I got my Canadian club here. The usual. I had some workmen here Thursday on my wife's insistence to look at my smoke exfiltration fan. It worked beautifully. I keep the door to the smoking lounge open all the time. Well, it's open right now. You cannot. I assure you this, Bobby, smells cigarette smoke more than nine inches outside that doorway. And I've had up to eight smokers in at once, counting the workmen. But this fan's just too fucking noisy. And it's got a little bit of a wheeze. I don't know if you can hear that. I showed them. I've drawn up a honey of a design. I'll email my specs to your station. I'm doing it now. Check your inbox. You can rest easy knowing the foreman approved. Nice, now, Gary. Have you been tuning into the show tonight? You cannot smell the smoke. You know, I've been thinking about these weather patterns and how, well, you know how the Vatican rules the world and they have their secret lavender pope in Nashville using country music to turn the populace gay. There is a connection here that's been hiding in plain sight. See, the thing about 5G is, and this requires an understanding of country music history. I don't know if you watched that Ken Burns. Gary, have you ever had a near-death experience? Two weeks ago, the smoking lounge smoke exfiltration fan fell on me, and I was legally dead for over one minute. Lucky the wife heard the wheezing stop, but I can't say as I saw much in that minute. I could kind of make out a light, kind of a reddish flickering, kind of licking up and down, kind of like a fire does, and some kind of horns, maybe a goat or a man, man-goat, beast, whatever he was, he was laughing at. Oh, shit, the wife's got the neighbors to bring over their newborn. I cannot wait to touch it. One sec, hold the line. Okay, uh, Gary, I love you, but I'm going to have to go to the next caller here. Uh, the show must go on. So we're going to go to Moscow, Idaho now, where we have Dennis on the line. Dennis, good evening. Bob, I'd like to offer a different interpretation. Love it. Let's hear it. Well, so it's my opinion that your guest was given a strong delusion. Supernatural, yes, but of a completely deceptive nature. Uh-huh. So, so everything he claims to have encountered was actually staged by demons. This happens all the time 
with quote unquote, you know, near death experiences. We think we see angelic beings, they're demons. We think we meet dead loved ones, demons. Okay. Okay. And why would these demons, why would these guys go to such operatic lengths to deceive our guest? To deceive the many. Your guest here is telling his story to thousands of listeners on the air. He's spreading misinformation on a mass scale. Excuse me, what would you say I've said is misinformation? Well, first of all, your grasp of doctrine is weak at best. And the cosmology you present is an incoherent mess. I mean, I come back to tell you God is probably real, that the wages of sin are most likely death, but you seem to think this was all one big funhouse ride orchestrated by... Demons. The truth is devalued by false currency. We must always be vigilant because the great deception grows in strength with each passing day. Dennis, what's your take on UFOs? Demons. AI? Demons. In-laws. This program has really fallen off. Thanks, Dennis. Okay, next I have Kenya calling from Washington, D.C. Hi, Kenya. Hi, I want to take Oberlin to task on this story. Oh, what's eating your lunch there, Kenya? Um, so this is probably the most Anglo-male, Judeo-Christ-centric account of the afterlife I have ever heard. How do you mean? I mean, have you been listening to this story? It's completely exclusionary. It's trans-exclusionary. It's minority-exclusionary. There were Mexicans. Like, why is heaven so white? This entire NDE is one big masturbatory, cis-set, boy-dude fantasy. Okay, have you ever heard of the criterion of embarrassment? This lack of representation adds authenticity to my experience. If I were making it up, absolutely it would feature more diversity. But I am journo. I'm dedicated to the truth. Where's all the women? You're saying you encountered no women. We all die. You don't own death like you think you own everything else. Just wait till I get to hell in the story. Okay, thanks for sharing your concerns, Ken. You have an intersectional night. So, what say we dive back into said story? Now, Oberlin, when we left off, you had formed an alliance in purgatory with an expatriated soul and hatched a plan to sell your body to lost spirits and demons for, what'd you say, elemental resources? Powers of nature we would then use to construct the best little whorehouse in limbo. Man alive, this is a colorful one. Catch us back up. My pimp and business partner, Stingy Jack, lights the way to the far side of Hades, where he introduces me to my first John, Copro Fisto, an eight-foot Saurian dreadnought who guards the rear wall. A deal is struck, and we adjourn to a private spot. In return for my time and comfort, the demon rewards us with the rare water seed, with which we are able to divine a small oasis from the cursed ground of Limbo. On word of mouth, other puriently interested spirit folk come to request my company, and painstakingly in this manner, I bottom my way to the top. From these clients, we gain the power to strike fire from the stone, to yield crops from the dust, and with a little wet and a little heat, we manage to expand our operation. Piece by piece, Jack and I build a sizable brick and mortar out there in the abyss, a place we called O's End. And this sounds like it took place over a period of, what, years? There is no time. Everything there is taking place in space alone. Aha. Uh-huh. 
But as accumulated moments go, those in O's End were among the best of my afterlife. A non-stop bacchanalian orgy growing in strength and number as astral defectors of all shapes and sizes arrive from across the universe to visit our brave new kingdom and engage in her festivities. Damn, I thought the party would never end. of libido dominandi it's closing time you don't have to go home but you gotta get the, the fuck, fuck out of here i pray your time and tender were well spent my liege indeed they were i feel 600 years younger right now i hope things get easier at work stress can do such a number now about what i told you don't think I need to tell you that. Not a word. Not a word. Then, until next time, fair one. Oh, see! Goodbye, Eupropion. Fairy! So good to see you again. I'm glad you enjoyed the eucalyptus steam bath. <laughs> and I'm glad you remembered me. Most never do. That was. touching. Go! Go! Cindy Jack's tired. He's gotta go to bed. Well, OC, another all-time debauch that will echo in eternity. Yes. We made quite the killing tonight. Look at this. High Demon Uralagniol gifted us with a donation from Estromel the Virtue's Quiver of Lightning. Stolen, I'm sure. But how cool is this? Study this fucking thing. What do we do with it? I don't know. But Estromel's renowned lightning bolts are strong enough to penetrate even the world of the living. Save it for a rainy day, I guess. You made an honest working boy out of a deplorable swine. How did you do it? I can't believe you did it. You just needed something constructive to feed your passions into. Never thought I'd have a station that gives me purpose. A community I feel a part of. Dear Jack, I'm writing you this as more than just a colleague. Through you, I have not only learned the value of hard work and collaboration, but the value of friendship. We really built something out here, oh. Against all odds. Aw, I'm just proud as all. But now I must leave you. As you know too well, being out here on the fringes of the morally acceptable, we are privy to some pretty dark and secret confessions. I was audience to one today that has shaken me to my very core, and I fear if I do not act upon it, the consequences will be dire for all of us. Everything okay? We seem troubled. Just exhausted. Knowing of your commitment to neutrality in all matters metaphysical, I decide not to involve you in this. I can imagine. In Malsodomy alone, you may have set a new record today. Yeah, wasn't counting. I'm going to retire for the night. 
I leave here with great reluctance. O's end will always hold a place in my heart. From comfort and stability, I charge headlong into impossible danger. But it must be done. Have a soak, have a rest. Tomorrow we get to do it all over again. Maybe I'll return, if you'll have me. If I do not, most likely it's because I will have failed my mission. Stay strong. I've watched you come so far. <laughs> Your friend. Oh. later, as my proud partner siested in his quarters, I slipped out to make the long and arduous journey to the gates of paradise. But once there, I discovered a great replacement had occurred. Someone quite different was standing there at Peter's podium when I stepped up to it. What happened to Peter? Peter, shit, I ain't know no Peter. It's supposed to be my job nowhere on it. Now you got your forms filled out? The man who used to work here the last 2,000 years, where did he go? Sir, I done told you, I ain't know where he is, and if I did, ain't gonna be no different. Somebody knows what happened to him. I am so tired, sir. Look, I'm not leaving until someone tells me where this man is. Hell no. You gonna stand here and waste everybody's time in this line talking about some man. I said, I don't know. Now, where are your forms, sir? Listen here, you insufferable cunt. Uh -uh. You labor under the illusion that I care about getting in here. I don't. And furthermore, I won't abide ghetto tyranny. Uh -uh. If I was alive, no doubt about it, I would help amplify your voice and share your struggle. But I am dead, and things are more fucked right now than you could ever imagine. So, get uh -uh. your uh -uh. fucking uh -uh. supervisor. My persuasive bigotry worked. She got the supervisor, and the supervisor tells me, He's been demoted to trash detail. So I make my way to the landfill on the cube's outer perimeter, and there I wait for Peter to empty his garbage cart at the end of his shift. And when that comes, I catch sight of him. I approach, and he is none too pleased to be seeing me. Oberlin Casey. I've wondered what you've been up to out there in the vast recess. Just going back and forth in it. And now you've come back here to vex me even more. What were you carting out there? Looks like broken statue parts. A lot of renovations taking place inside the cube. Did you get demoted because of what happened out there? Just another structural change. Well, it's all because Satan's rebellion was successful. Do you know what you are saying? I'm saying Satan has overthrown God and reigns now in heaven. Now we've got to- You must stifle 
What led you to this conclusion? The demon Bupropion told me. One of Satan's high-ranking commissars. How did this being come to trust you with such information? Well, we're mutuals. He shared it with me during one of our engagements. Oh, my little canary. I feel so completely at ease with you in this moment. It's like I could tell you anything. I'm here. I'm ears. What he revealed in post-nut openness was that a top-secret coup d'etat had taken place, and by some obscene devilry, Satan himself has been sitting on the great white throne, impersonating the Ancient of Days. If that is not him, then where is the one true God? He's been imprisoned in Tartarus. Whatever that is. Tartarus. The lowest of the infernal regions. At the very bottom of hell. No one else would have believed me. It doesn't seem possible. But hearing you now, it is apparent. After so many dubious indications. Well, you wouldn't still happen to have that handy tablet with all the information in the universe on it, would you? I would. We're gonna need it. We can discuss more as we move. We must go. Straight away. Absconding to the Plains of Limbo. On the way to hell, we formulate a plan where Peter will deliver me as first intended before all the second act Saudi and side questing. On strict orders to take his detainee directly to the internment in the bowels of Hades. We will then, with directional aid from my tablet, locate God's holding cell and set him free, releasing him via a password told to me in confidence by sweet, naive Bupropion. It's an enchanted password that may only be uttered once in direct presence of the cage, if it is to be opened. Whatever did you do to wrench all this information out of him? Hey, so what tipped you off that God was not himself? Besides him saying suck cock over and over. When I returned from our excursion, I kept quiet about what had happened to you out there. I wouldn't dare withhold the truth if pressed, but I wasn't going to offer it voluntarily. Then, as I feared, the time came when I was called up to the Imperium. My lord, you summoned... Hitler! My... Lord? You know, even Lucifer thought he was doing what was right and just when he chose to rebel. He genuinely thought he was making the order of the cosmos better, more beneficial to all. He thought his effort was more righteous than his author, and now that he and his legion have been cast down with no chance at redemption, he has no choice but to fight. On behalf of his condemned followers, in the hopes that somehow they can triumph and thus spare themselves from judgment. His end goal is ultimately to liberate everyone. He even wanted to liberate me from incorrect thinking. And now, he and his fallen host being bereft of home, they target man because they know my kingdom dwells inside him. 
They seek to inhabit the heaven within because it is the only way they can experience home again. Hitler! The most fascinating insight. Fuck laws! Bike rope! Yes. You're being reassigned. I'm putting someone else on your post. Confused over this decision, I sought the wisdom that repaired the roads connecting heaven and earth. I go to visit my close friend and personal savior, the High Priest Jesus Christ. But I am prevented by the mighty Archangel Dudikoff and told... Jesus Christ is occupied and in the sanctuary at present and mustn't be disturbed. With no intercessor to confide in, I continue to make note of various amendments to policy in the celestial domain. As well, I note odd developments on Earth below. I told you, it's been a jerk circus down there. The devil has made it his footstool. Well then let's oust that piece of shit and put this place to rights. What is that? You see something? Lights in the distance. The sounds of revelry. Yeah, I don't know. We should steer clear. After a predictably long voyage, at last we come upon the awful gates. Now approaching hell. You have arrived at your destination. My god. Look at all those people going in there. Broad is the way. Are you unwell? Just a little winded. I'll fight through it. We need to do some preparation before we queue up. You have to reach down into the deepest part of your psyche and find your most profound fear, your utmost pain. You have to stay there in that mindset. If you let any positive emotion through while we are down there, they will sense it and they will come for us. Damn, damn, this is a tall order. Let me reflect. What are you going to think of? Being crucified upside down should do the trick. <laughs> Holy shit. I forgot about that. You got a good one. Did you find something? Give me a second. This is difficult. Think faster. Okay. Okay, I think I'm in the headspace. Stay there. Here we go. Okay, you fucking beach, single file, single file. 
Next, you two, step up. I'm St. Peter, here on orders to deliver the convicted directly to their dominion. Does the incumbent have any hope to declare? None. You can take him as far as his designated pit. Then full custody will change hands to the Sentinels. Do not stray from the path. It's easy to get lost in that. Once you're lost, you're fucked. Indefinitely. Rightio. Now get! Whoa, sounds like you're experiencing some extreme weather on your end, oh. It's storming pretty good outside right now, Bob. Perfect compliment to this frightening chapter of your story. So, Bob, the thing about hell I learned is it's like a giant air purifier. All negative energies in the afterlife, all pain, all despair, are channeled directly into hell so that heaven may remain sanitized and free of woe. Those trapped inside function as purifying agents who suffer so that the elect never have to. A horrific filtration system. This is it. If we fell, it is too horrible to consider. We enter into a nightmarish underworld, a disorienting network of dark catacombs and Byzantine torture chambers. Very abject, very Lucas room. The odors are the most putrid I have ever breathed. Instead of continuing to the designated point of transfer, we diverge toward Tartarus. From cell block N, turn east and proceed 30 clicks. Lower and lower. Very deep. Very distant. The grotesque sights I saw down there. No reproduction of the eye or ear could do it justice. Now passing the hell of resentful haters. You feel okay down here? I'm sure it's just the noxious air, but I'm feeling a bit funky. You must endure. If we stop too long, we chance being caught. Okay, okay. Now, so, we're coming up on a dodgy stretch of our descent. Now entering the hell of child molesters. Oh, Jesus, really with this? The key is not to draw attention to ourselves. Keep to the wall. Keep your head down. Stay in that dismal headspace. Keeping our respective traumas in mind, we warily cross this hall of disgrace. Oh, dear. Any notable, recognizable faces down there? You're such a gossip whore, Bob. I love it. I know what my listeners like. It was hard to see down there. But I was looking out of curiosity. And this is what got me in trouble, see? I survey the huddled crowd of offenders, standing, rotting in their own deranged minds, waiting for judgment day in the lake of fire reserved for them. And who do I notice but Oh, yes. No surprise there, but we'll bleep it out anyway because in fairness, he was acquitted of those charges. Well, there was no mistaking that it was Yes, as sure as well, as sure as hell, there stood. 
And I usually don't celebrate people being sentenced to eternal conscious torment, but in this case, I admit I did feel a tinge of joy to see this piece of shit down here getting his just rewards. And a tinge was all it took. The moment I allowed myself to let a modicum of joy through, it was like a big spotlight was pointed down on us for the morass of the dam to see. Darken your mind, now! They see us. And before we can make it to the other side of the hall, these foul spirits are upon us. Wait, I dropped my tablet. Leave it, they're coming. The crowd nears and we prepare ourselves to be torn limb from limb. When all of a sudden, Albie, Albie over here, bud. A recognizable voice beckoning from a small passage in the rocks ahead. Albie, Uncle Weaver? This way, come on, through here, this way. It's my Uncle Weaver. Poor Uncle Weaver, who died 10 years ago of, I don't know, some kind of cancer, I think. Maybe blood cancer? Uncle Weaver! Keep moving, come on, keep moving, gang. I can't believe I'm seeing my sister's kid down here. It's bittersweet, for sure. You saved us, Uncle Weaver. I thought we were doomed. Oh, you're still doomed, understand that. These little tunnels ease the burden, might even help you sidestep the dog pile from time to time. But make no mistake, you are still doomed as fuck, you know? We're just visiting. It is a private matter. Distance. This place, goddamn, y'all must be hard up for destinations. But hell, I'm... Uh, it is good to hear you're not condemned like I am. You were a cool enough guy. What did you even do to be put here? It, you don't remember? Remember what? Uh, it ain't worth getting into. <laughs> just come on, just keep on moving. I've lost my directional device. We're searching for Tartarus. Would you perchance know the way? Yes, sir. Take that tunnel on the left when you get to the fork. The narrow one. There's a laundry chute at the end. Take you right down into it. Thank you. You gotta be fucking careful down there. Atmosphere so awful, most never make it back out. Can't go no lower than Tartarus, uh, Tartarstos. Uncle Weaver, I feel horrible you're in here. You know, it's pretty crazy. It's it's like at first, when you get here, you know, it's kind of like, well, fuck, maybe I'll just writhe in agony a couple of years or till I get my, learn my lesson or, or whatever, you know. But eventually, you know, you figure out this shit, this torment shit, uh, you know, it's just gonna fucking keep going like uh, fucking forever. So it's like when you come to terms with the fact that this ain't gonna stop, I guess, well, I guess there's a comfort in that. You know, the certainty. I can't even fathom. Well, at least, at the very least, you know, one courtesy they do provide down here that I appreciate is they, they do separate the races into different sectors, you know, so they got like black hell over there and they got like a, a slant-eyed hell. And, and so I, I do appreciate that little bit, but I mean, when you go back, I mean, you need to fucking tell people about this shit. 
because it's real. I mean, it's fucking super real. It's all too real. You know, people need to know about it. Fuck, it's horrible. You don't want to be here, you know? And people, people need to know they need to amend their ways. I should have done it when I was alive, but fuck, it's too late for me. I will tell whoever will listen. You were a good kid, Obi. You, Bert. Well then, better be getting back to the Chomo block before they find out I went missing again. I'm gonna wish y'all the best now. All I got goes out to you. You were a fine ally. Goodbye, Uncle Weaver. Love you. Bye. And we press on in the dark. No tablet now to lead the way, only hope. And even that we must suppress. We locate Uncle Weaver's purported laundry chute, and from there we pass into the foul trenches of Tartarus. Close? Not doing so hot, full disclosure. What has befallen you at this crucial hour? I don't know. Just so weak. Maybe a quick rest will replenish my, my strength. Endure to the end, my friend. We are almost there. Just one minute. this without you. Peter, I'm fading. Oberlin, stay with me. You must tell me the password, the enchanted password that can only be uttered once by the listener. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. Say it now. I'm losing you. Enchanted password is... Next thing I know, I've regained consciousness on a hospital bed. Every cell of my body is in pain, but miraculously, I'm alive. After being declared dead for 89 minutes, a crack team of expert surgeons pieced my miserable coil back together and resuscitated me. Did you give him the password? Give who a password? St. Peter. Oh. No, I don't think I did. I hesitated there because that password, well, it's a word I've never said before and I was afraid to say it. So we didn't complete the mission. Mission? You were supposed to free God from a cage beneath Hades, remember? Oh, 
Yeah, that was nuts. It's nuts what the human imagination is capable of conjuring under extreme physical duress. Jesus Christ. So your story ends there unresolved in a Tartarus of the mind. No, my story begins in that hospital bed in ICU. I underwent nine months of intense physical therapy. I had to relearn how to walk, talk, swallow food. The staff said they've never seen anything like it. Uh-huh. Truly a divine miracle. Or truly a great achievement of science. Lucky to be alive. But are you happy to be alive? I'm happier than I've ever been. I got a new lease. It's a long road, but I'm improving every day. I got my partner, Jim Nippity, here, who stood by me through all this. We are currently experimenting with monogamous commitment and living with my parents in the rural south. After my accident, I made amends and they took us in while I recovered. It's a cramped living situation, but we're having a ball, getting to know one another again. I founded a GoFundMe for the victims of the El Cacahuete earthquake, which has raised amazing amounts of money and awareness. So between charity work and physical convalescing, I've just been trying to be a better, more loving person. And that's it, really. Things I saw in my death dream were informative and insightful. They've made me a better person, and hopefully they can inspire others to become great secular humanists like me. Bob, you there? Yeah, um... Let's run the news and come back with a few closing thoughts, I guess. Be right back. Running the headlines post-midnight hour, I'm Robert Darlington, NPD News. A mass mauling broke out yesterday at a demonstration by... What the fuck was that? What's wrong? You're going to leave my audience hanging with an unfinished story that not even you seem to believe anymore. I believe it was real in a personal, allegorical, mythological sense, and absolutely there are valuable insights to be gleaned therein. You don't believe you left your boy hanging down there? There is no real boy to be hung, Bob. It was a very complex hallucination brought on by my pineal gland flooding my brain with DMT when my heart stopped. You really don't believe those were real encounters now? The fake moon, the paradise cube, O's end. We walk through ourselves, meeting robbers, ghosts, giants, old men, young men, wives, widows, brothers in love, but always meeting ourselves. Fucking bullshit. I'm sorry if you wanted to hear the words of a believer, Bob. That kind of believer. I believe in myself. I believe in human progress. It's not my place to justify the ways of God to... Well, that was a close one. So I was, so what I was saying was, look, you have kooks on here all the time who claim to believe what they. Holy shit, Oberlin. Can you hear me? Hey.
can you hear me? I'm talking to you, the listener. Don't be afraid. I'm talking to you through ESP now. Best wireless technology in the cosmos. I know you want to know what happens next, so I thought I would reach out psychically and personally and tell you. Don't be scared. It's okay. It's just me. Hey, Chi-Chi, turn off podcast. You're not listening to a podcast anymore. Fuck this. I'm taking the headphones off. Oh, you don't need headphones. I'm in your head. What the fuck? Mom! Your mother can't hear you, Berto. It's okay. There's nothing to be afraid of. I just wanted to tell you the rest of my story. This is messed up. Get out of my head. Okay. If you want me to, I'll go. Wait. Yes. Okay. Tell me the rest of the story. Nice. Okay. Would you like some music accompaniment? Um, sure. So lightning struck my parents' house. Surging through the landline I was talking on and electrocuting me back to death. The next thing I remember, I'm regaining consciousness someplace quite uncanny, but familiar. What? What happened? It's okay, good buddy. You're in a safe space. Back in your old whoring room at O's End. Stingy Jack? Stingy Jack! You fucking know it! Did I die again? I can't see too good right now. Just lay back. Sight and strength will return. I had to call you in by most violent means. How? One well-aimed bolt of lightning. From Estromel's quiver. That's right. We waited for an opportune moment, let launch, and hit our target dead straight on a gnat's ass. We? I'm here as well. Peter! How'd you... I abandoned you down there. After you departed at a most inconvenient moment, I continued on through the claustrophobic shafts of Tartarus until I clandestinely located what I saw to be a great stone enclosed in a cage. The cage encircled by guards. Among them, the great demon Bupropion. Without an enchanted password to utter, I had no choice but to turn back and with help from the damned soul of your kind Uncle Weaver, I was shown a hidden tunnel that led out of the underworld. Being sealed by the Holy Spirit, I was able to escape the boundaries of hell back into the darksome desert of Limbo. Where he eventually stumbled upon our settlement, and we learned we had a mutual friend. Aww. So? So? So. So? Who said that? It's me, it's Birdo. Oh, that's right. I'm telling you the story. So with Jack and his lantern added to our fellowship, we speed run across Limbo, through the secret passageway into hell and back into the depths of Tartarus, navigating the maddening narrow tunnels until we arrive at our set location and gaze down upon the stone. 
in the cage. We only get one shot at this. So how do we distract them? You sneak down toward that cluster of stalagmites over there. When you're in place, I'll start to swing my lantern around and make my presence known to the guards. Then I'll appear from the side to increase misdirection. And when they come for us, you rush to the cage. Do you remember the secret password? Oh, it's unforgettable. Let us do this. I stealthily crawl down to my position behind the stalagmites and give the signal to Jack across the cavern. Hey! Hey up here, you scum fucks! Let my maker go! A light! Who is that? As a group of guards charge Jack, Peter breaks out from the side, sprinting toward the cage. Look, another! Stop it! The rest of the guards tackle Peter before he can reach it, leaving the cage vulnerable. Now's my chance. I run. Overland? No! The Propion has spotted me, but he's too late. I am at the cage. I ready my tongue. I open my mouth, I utter the password, and the cage is lifted. But now there is just this immense stone, and no god to be found. Deceitful slatter. I told you that special word, confidence. Where's God? If God can do anything, could God make a stone even God could not lift? Well, there's your answer. He made it. He's under it, and he ain't going nowhere. We won. All hope is now lost, and I have uttered a most vile word for nothing, which makes me feel even more terrible. Oh, I know what the word was. <laughs> yes. Should I continue? Yeah, sorry, go ahead. We won, and now it's eternal conscious torment on the highest setting for all you poles. I step closer to the stone. Step away from the stone. It's over all. Maybe it was faith. Maybe it was intuition, but I needed to touch that stone. Don't move one more fucking inch. Open it! As Bupropion swoops down on me, I reach out and press my hand into the stone, and it moves. He sinks his talons deep into me, renting me asunder as the stone topples. Awesome beams of light streaming from underneath. I am released. And with the awesome sound of his coming, the Hell Guards are driven back into the shadows. And my friends are set free. I 
cannot gaze upon his righteous countenance as he comes toward me. All I can do is bury my own unworthy face. Be strong. Yea, be strong. How did my lord come to be imprisoned here? This began with a wager between I and Satan over the age-old question of the immovable stone, a question I had grown so weary of hearing. Ancient of days, you will never make a stone you cannot lift because it cannot be done. Even you have your own limitations. Here is what I will do. I will make a stone that even I, the Lord Almighty, the unmoved mover, cannot move. No angel in my heavenly host, nor demon in outer darkness, will be able to budge this stone. A stone so heavy, so dense, that it will fall through the firmament and sink to the lowest level of the infernal regions below. But there will be one creature who has the power to move this stone. Man. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Man. You cannot make an object that bad can move. And you cannot. It's ludicrous. So I made it. And to make my point, I willfully crawled beneath it. Temporarily relinquishing my sovereignty, waiting patiently for the man who would come and uncover me. Well, man. Oberlin Casey, even at your greatest, you are small. And at your smallest, you are great. Dang. I really believe now. Everyone does in the fullness of time usually when it's too late. So I must ask, why did you come to release me? I thought if I could save you, maybe I could prevent a lot of people from coming to this place. You thought you could save yourself. Maybe that's it. I must commend the Apostle Peter for believing in you in my absence. My lord. As for you, Stingy Jack. My lord. While your loyalty has been recognized, you will return now to the Abyss to make your indwelling there for you alone. The revelry must stop. It is not acceptable in thy sight. You got it, boss. But first, I will translate us all to the Imperion and eject that old serpent from my throne. Come, let us leave this foul crevasse. We ride back to the Imperion with great glory. My friends and I front row privy to Red Satan, receiving a mighty comeuppance from the rightful returning god. So, how can this be? My logic trapped you, I trapped you. You underestimate me every time, Lucifer, and now I cast ye down. Rejoice now, but I will see you again on the battlefield, all of you. Especially you, Oberlin Casey. 
and you won't have your big bad creator to hide behind then. What about me? Think you'll ever see me again? I hope I never see your cis white face again, Stingy Jack. Guaranteed. Bye bye. Stop! Oberlin Casey, I cannot let you stay in my kingdom. Not with garments such as yours. Well, surely I can obtain some fresh ones. I know you can, which is why I'm sending you back. You're sending me back to my life? You will go back and you will fight on the battlefield of your own soul. It will be a difficult fight. One fought with armaments of faith. And works? We can debate that some other time. Evil will beset you at every turn. The devil's time is short now, and his wrath is great. Well, if it be thy will. Sometimes it do be, my child. Peter! Please escort him to his point of departure. The three of us repair to the gates of Paradise, where Peter's post is restored. And this is where you find me presently in my story, on the precipice of yet another chance to get it right. God willing. I'm going to say goodbye to my friends now and come back down to this crazy thing we call life. So, thank you for listening. Hope you got something out of it. Perhaps we'll see each other someday, when all is accounted for. Oberlin, it is time. Gotta swing out now, Berto. Take care. Yeah, bro, take care. Good story. I thank you. Okay. Well, we had quite a misadventure, my friend. Gonna be lonely out there without you, oh. Maybe come see me if you ever decide to die again. I will, my brother. Guys, we really did it up. Okay. I'm ready to go back. What stands here is a brave soul. We wish him grace on his journey. We wish him strength and poise. Now, players, press F to pay respects. F. 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 Now F. 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 This concludes the audio podcast presentation of Hereafter Man, written and directed by the Eternal Dillards, produced by Berto and Ordent Aper, starring the Eternal Dillards as Bob Hurd, the Eternal Dillards as Oberlin Casey, the Eternal Dillards as Peter, the Eternal Dillards as the Ancient of Days, and the Eternal Dillards as Uncle Weaver, Berto as himself, Seth.
Just to sing.